you know, like in my class, I was always like one of the smallest until about high school. So I felt like, you know, I'm sure there was some chip on my shoulder that it's like, oh, I'm smaller. I have to work harder in order to like have the same output. I would say at this point, it's just like an obsession with progression. Like I don't like feeling like I'm not trying to improve on on myself. Like I, I really have trouble with being complacent and just like, okay with things. Um, Cause I, I always see that there's a way to be better. And so why not try to be better? Hello podcast world. Welcome to episode 99 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Meet Danny Moreno, third-place woman at UTMB OCC, the first American to make the podium. Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc at OCC is a 55K race with 3,500 meters of climbing and is one of seven races featured in the event that take place annually at Chamonix in France. Danny found herself in 20th place in the first half of the race as she began the climb up Champagne and moved into 15th place when she crested the top. Despite being so far back at this point, Danny never lost faith, kept grinding, and battled her way all the way to the podium. It's one thing to have the race plan, but to actually be on the starting line and trust the plan. The plan was to build confidence throughout the race, because I race more ferociously and fierce when I'm building confidence. Danny's inspiring story is one of patience, self-belief, trusting the process, and having huge gratitude for family, friends, and sponsors who love and support her journey. It began five years ago when she met and formed a powerful partnership with her coach, Terry Howell, who believed in her from their first meeting. Excited to continue following Danny's ascent in the world of ultra running, so let's dive on in and take a listen. Danny Moreno, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Ron. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on and talk about your first American woman to make the podium. Third place at OCC at UTM Mont Blanc. That's exciting stuff, man. You got to be like super stoked about it, right? Yeah, it's uh, still kind of surreal, you know, to be the first. Um, But yeah, it, it meant a lot to me and I'm really proud and happy about it. Awesome, man. Yeah, you still got to be feeling like you're on cloud nine and you got the mountain background in your Zoom over there. Yeah. That's obviously <laughs> probably a custom shot from when you were racing over there, man. Just tell everybody just how insane the views are. Um, just, I mean, hanging out just to go and visit is one thing, but I mean, you're up there running, man. You're up in the clouds, you're in the mountains, you're part of these races. And then, you know, you have all the other, you know, UTMB races going on. I mean, what's it like for an experience? Is it just like totally amazing? Yeah, I mean, the mountains themselves are just, you know, jaw dropping wherever you go. uh, There's glaciers kind of just lined up along the sides and the valley, it just goes straight into the mountains like the valley itself at the bottom is quite small. And so you just feel like you're surrounded by peaks um, because it just it goes high so quickly. Um, And then obviously with the ambience of the event itself, it just it just echoes through the town and the whole environment there. Um, so it's, it's really quite magical. Beautiful description. Now, 
is this your first time racing there? Yes, this was my first time. This was my debut. It's definitely been on my radar the past couple of years, but I personally have been staying to shorter distances. We call them sub-ultras in the trail world. So everything under a 50K, mostly the marathon distance. And so, yeah, this year I decided to finally bump up. And so to debut and then to be, you know, the first American woman and just to be on the podium was such uh, a gift. Yeah, what what an unbelievable first-time experience. I mean, uh, and the energy of those races. Um, so you have your race that you're competing in, but then you just have all these other races going on and you have like every great runner, every great ultra runner in the world, basically, unless they're injured, God forbid, or sick or something, they're there, they're out there racing. I mean, even a lot who've run Western States are coming back in doubling, or if they've run hard rock as Killian did and other people. I mean, it's amazing to me and most runners what you all in the ultra world are capable of doing um, and being able to bounce back like that and just, uh, you know, be part of that. So um, when did your race take place compared to all the other races that were going on? Because obviously, um, you know, the one with, you know, Killian having the epic duel with Walmsley and, you know, everybody was like really paying a lot of attention to that. And Courtney wasn't running this year and she's had, you know, amazing results. But when did that fall compared to where your race was? Were you ahead of those or more towards the end? Yeah, so of it's been really cool because UTMB used to be kind of like the marquee event of the week. I mean, the whole week now is called UTMB week, um, but it's been really cool because in recent years, they've elevated uh, TDS, OCC, and CCC to really try and be like the brother-sister races of UTMB. I would say UTMB still has like a little bit more sparkle than them just because it is, you know, the 100-mile uh, distance, which we all love. Um, but yeah, so first was TDS. Well, first there was actually like a couple local races that were much shorter. I think they're like 15K and 20K. Um, and then there was TDS, which is the longest distance actually. And then it was my race, CCC and UTMB. Um, so I was kind of like second in line, I guess you could say. Very cool. So you got to see some stuff happening first. And of course, all the other races that are going to come after you, those runners are all in town. They're all rolling in. And, you know, the way the brands work these days, I mean, and you work with Hoka and you work with Rabbit and, you know, Solomon's so big and, you know, these other brands like Koros, I do a lot with Koros, um, the watch company who's so big in the ultra community. So a lot of these athletes are getting there early anyway. And a lot of the sponsored athletes aren't even ultra runners. They're marathon runners or great, maybe distance runners are over there to take part and, you know, be involved with this. So in many ways, man, it's got to feel like an Olympics is going on and so international in flavor. And that had to be just like a great shot of adrenaline for you, right? Oh, uh, yeah, 110%. It's it's kind of funny because it kind of felt like a like a college meet, you know, because there's all the teams in their uniforms, like staying with each other and stuff like that. But you also have friends. And then um, I have a lot of friends on the different brand teams, but I also have people I've never met that I am, you know, I just respect the heck out of and really love following their career. So I'm also like fangirling while, you know, seeing my friends and, and then you just realize they also all happen to be the best mountain runners in the world. So it's just like this whole uh, mix of emotions, all great. Um, and it's very surreal just the whole week to be experiencing that. Yeah. I mean, the energy is just, it's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, I was telling you before we came on, I, I had the live stream on and I was, you know, just like, you know, trying to tap into what was happening and trying to stay, you know, trying to stay awake, but I had a race the next morning, you know, cause Wams yeah. Wamsley was still ahead at that point and they were into the mountains and it was overnight and, you know, just what, what an amazing, uh, 
what an amazing experience it's become because these races, you know, you all used to go run an ultra and we didn't know what happened until like a day or two later. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, you have all these like live streams and feeds and people maybe can't watch necessarily. Cause once it gets dark in the mountains, you really can't watch the footage, but when it's light, you can see amazing shots and you have amazing photographers out there shooting you all while you're racing and you got people running around with GoPros videoing you and filming you when you're up there. I mean, that had to feel like crazy, right? Like you're in a race, but people are out there like following you all right and cheering and screaming and videoing you and filming you. I mean, what was that like? It's it's kind of funny because it like like you said, it, it's so cool for people who aren't there. Uh, I would say like in the last few years, uh, these top um, ultra events and stuff like they've gotten so good at the live stream and I got to see some of the behind scenes because I did an interview you know after my race and they have an English version a Sp Spanish version and a French version all going on at the same time and so it's just like for my my family and friends back home like I was getting texts while I was racing because they knew what was happening and during the race and so it's just so cool to then you know be post race and reading through them and you know oh like you're moving up like keep it up you know and, and having that dual experience and then as far as the cameras and and the photographers and stuff it's it's so weird that I'm like I'm kind of used to it now, you know, having done a handful of races in Europe, but at the same time I'm like this is very not normal to be, <laughs> you know, going through these ex this extreme terrain and for mountain bikers who are phenomenal mountain bikers to be chasing us with like GoPros and stuff or, you know, people will run with these gimbals with us on the downhill. And so, I don't know, like, I think what we do is cool. And then I think of those people and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that is so impressive. And I, it's so normalized for me now. <laughs> yeah. You said that so well, because you're, I've wondered and you just explained it to me. I thought they must be using gimbals because how else would the images be stable? I don't care what they're recording on, whether it's, you know, super small GoPros or larger cameras with big wide lenses or whatever, whatever their method is that they're looking for to capture, where they, are they looking for like that grand wide image or are they looking for the really tight shot or like portrait mode with everything kind of silhouetted behind. But it's just, it's spectacular. And the immersion is just so, it's, it's, it, you feel like you're there and you're not, of course. But, um, I'm like, God, I mean, the runners could go down and take a gainer, man. I'm sure some of them are going <laughs> down on their bikes or running, trying to chase you all, blasting down some of those crazy steep, uh, peaks because the, the vertical in your race was crazy, right? It's like a ton of vertical in the race you were in, right? Yeah. Uh, mine was just over 10,000 feet. So, yeah, it was quite a bit over the 30, 35 miles or so. That's crazy. So 10,000 feet in 35 miles. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but of course, going up and down, right? So obviously, you got to be able to handle the steep ups, but the downs, because that's the part that would scare me more because, you know, I know, you know, heck, I could just hike it you know, or use poles, even though I don't know how to use them, I'd learn. Um, the downhills, man, when I see the speed that these <laughs> men and women blast down these, these crazy technical pitches, I'm just like, my emoji eyes, right? You can see me on the Zoom screen, <laughs> but everybody can't, who's listening at home. But um, when you first got out there and were like kind of adapting to it and learning about it, did it scare the shit out of you? Or are you just like, were the kind of person who was just always bold and intrepid and you really didn't get nervous by stuff like that? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say I got nervous. Um, it just looks fun to me. You know, I, I was able to check out some parts of the course, but they changed some of the course from last year. So I couldn't check out quite all of it. Um, but yeah, it was it's kind of crazy because with all of the UTMB like marquee events, you are running in at least two different countries. And so for me, I started in Switzerland and then ran over the border into France. And you could tell the difference in the trails like when you were crossing over, which was pretty cool. And so like all the different downhills had like a little different flavor, which was nice. So, you know, there was very like rocky kind of granite steps uh, downhill. There was some that was like very slippery roots and mud. Um, and then you had like kind of faster, like semi-technical kind of like fast switchbacks and stuff. So to me, it's just like the more variety, the better. And I just kind of love it all. Um, and, and, and going back to what you said, like, yeah, when you're in the race, like there's at least the people that I'm racing around, there's no one that's ever walking a downhill like we are all running the downhills and that's another thing that you know I just sometimes look back and I'm just like wow this is pretty cool like all of us are just throwing our bodies down this mountain as fast as we can um so yeah that's cool yeah and that's a great way to describe it because it's basically like you know going on a black diamond ski run except you have trail running shoes on yeah. that's basically <laughs> what's happening people at home there's rocks. It's, oh yeah yeah big rocks the kind that could like smash you into pieces like big time and knock out all your teeth and do god knows what kind of damage so um <laughs> you got to be fearless and ballsy to do this stuff so i just have such mad respect and also before we came on too i talked about uh like night running just how different it is like from a sensory uh, perspective. And, you know, like I don't live near the mountains. I don't live near trails. I mean, our trails are incredibly different around here, like Van Cortland Park, which is famous for high school and college, you know, cross country meets. That's not trails like you all are running in the mountains. And also Jim and his wife, you know, they moved over there because they realized that training for Western states and training on our mountains and the mountains that he's grown up with and running in the canyon all the time, the Grand Canyon and doing all this crazy stuff. It's just very different types of mountains and very different ways of descending and getting up and um, everything is different about it. So I think it's one of those things like the more you go over there, the more prepared you come. So it's even more impressive for you that it was your first time there and <laughs> yeah. you rocked the podium, man. That's like amazing. Like it's not like you have like four or five years of experience running over there and you just like came up and improved. This was literally your debut. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had a couple people say that. Sim similar sentiment um and yeah i just kind of it reinforces just or reinforces how happy i am i guess that i was able to do it um honestly it just took like i asked a lot of questions of friends who had gone over there to try and do my best to kind of replicate it where i live um and the biggest thing with like europeans is like I, you know, we had like only one section of switchbacks. Most of the time you're taking the most direct path up and down the mountain. Whereas in America, we tend to like build a lot of switchbacks into things. Um, so just getting used to that. I mean, most of my climbs, there is at least like a mile with over a thousand feet. Um, so getting like used to power hiking and running up those steep pitches too was really helpful. Yeah. And just for everybody at home, you're in Mammoth these days, right? Mammoth Lakes. Yes. And how how is trail running out there? I mean, because I, you know, I don't know much about it. I mean, I know Mammoth for skiing and I know a lot of runners. I think Dina Castor trained out there a lot and still does. I think she does a lot of her marathon work out there and has over the years and done running camps and whatnot. But what's it like for the trail running community out there? Is it a good place to uh, to train and get your work in? 
Yes. I mean, uh, you know, the altitude helps and uh, it's not quite like Europe because we don't have like those super steep pitches everywhere that Europe does. Um, usually like it's a slow build before you start getting the steeper things. Um, and the technicality is like pretty good. It's not as, again, like as steep. I guess that's really what it comes down to. But overall, it's amazing. The trail community is great. There's not like a ton of us, but we all know each other. And it's very welcoming. Um but yeah, it's it's quite nice. I, I love it. <laughs> nice. Now, do you have other Hoka or Rabbit athletes? Because I know those are your two. They're your two main brands, right? That you work with as far as um, on on the running side. Do you have other Hoka or Rabbit athletes that you have the chance to train with who are into the same type of racing and distances and terrain as you? Or are you kind of just out there doing your thing? Um, I would say so. Tim Tolufson is also here in Mammoth, but I haven't been able. I've only ran with him a couple of times. I probably have ran with his wife more um, when I do like road work because I still do incorporate a lot of road work into my training. Um, and then, yeah, I just have one other friend who's sponsored by the North Face. Um, so yeah, not a lot of training partners, but a lot of people that like to have a lot of fun out here. So whenever people come into town, I'll try and run with them. Nice. And as far as like brand support, like Hoka and Rabbit, um, you know, as a new athlete and somebody who's really making a splash and doing really well, like what are they doing to help you? I mean, I'm sure they have amazing resources available. I mean, Hoka has just like stepped up hugely on the sponsorship side. I believe that they're sponsoring like that whole UTMB series now, right? So they're putting a huge amount of money and huge investment into, you know, these races themselves, but also obviously they're athletes in the end of the day. Now, how are they helping you out with like shoes, equipment, resources, and same thing with Rabbit. What are they doing to try to like help you be your best, if you will? Yeah, I would say it's mostly, um, you know, through apparel and the shoes and stuff. And um, like the, because Hoka is sponsoring that UTMB week, you know, that kind of at the beginning of the year, they told us, hey, all like, we'd really appreciate if you'd come out and do this event since we're now co-sponsoring it with Ironman. Um, so for the race, they were able to help us out a little bit more than they usually can do when we're doing our individual schedules. Um, and so, you know, they had a place for us to stay. There is a masseuse, which was really nice, and like a PT person. Um, so yeah, it was great. And then we had like e-team events all week too. Um, leading up to the event. So yeah, I felt really supported at this event. Fantastic. I mean, team building is so clutch. Um, and anytime you get a chance, like you said, Instagram is this great square space where we can all follow <laughs> different kinds of runners and athletes. I mean, you know, people are following my running, which is crazy. Like I've from all these countries that, you know, cause I'm doing marathons and ultras all over. And I'm like amazed at the age demographic of people that are actually following my running, forgetting about the podcast. So for you, you know, all, so many of these athletes I have under my son's age, you know, <laughs> a couple of years out of college and so young. So I feel like I'm talking to him or his friends, which is a treat, uh, cause it keeps me young, but it's gotta be super cool to meet a lot of these athletes who you probably are following and they're probably following you anyway, but maybe you haven't actually met them. So then you come to something like this and you have these events together and you can all bond and get to know each other a little bit better. And, you know, who knows, whatever, share nutrition tips, whatever it might be, but it's gotta be helpful for that stuff. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you hit the hammer on the nail because, you know, you'll interact with someone on Instagram and feel like you've kind of met them, but then you meet them in person. You're like, hey, this is actually the first time we've met in person, Um, which, you know, I think brings a whole different dynamic to the relationship, which is really nice. Um, But yeah, I think for, you know, trail and ultra running specifically, like it's still kind of a black hole for how do you exactly prepare for these races and what does your training look like? And it just seems like there's so many different approaches to, you know, training, but also just like the nutrition aspect, which was really big for me in this race. Cause I actually had to like eat, you know, versus my races in the past, I have ate maybe like one or two, you know, gels, but this, I had to actually like, you know, plan a little bit more extensively. Um, so learning from them, no matter if they're with Hoka or not, um, it just seems like very, everyone is kind of like, doing this um like think tank right now with the era of trail runners that's around right now which is really cool because i think it's it is helping the sport get elevated so quickly as far as like talent and performances love it well yeah because depending on the race distances before you said you were concentrating more on sub ultras and kind of building up and getting stronger and you were you were doing your homework man you were you were making yourself a stronger fitter athlete you know before you were going to like let's say fully dive into like stretching out your boundaries and taking the stuff on and so it isn't just the distance of saying 35 miles it's just how much more verticals there so it's so much more like physically hiking demanding straight up up a cliff for Christ's sakes billy go territory so you're going to be burning like a zillion more calories um, so what kinds of foods were you having? You said you had more. So was it just like soups? Was it solids? Was it mostly gels? Like, or was it some kind of shakes? Like, what were you, what were you actually fueling with, you know, comparatively from, from what you used to do, what you were used to doing? Yeah, I, you know, I stuck with the spring energy, which, you know, they support me. Um, and I was able to get away with that just for this race. I think at the last aid station, I grabbed some cake. Um, maybe that was the only food that I grabbed. Um, but yeah, I, I was able to do that this time. I, but, you know, looking back, I think I would actually have incorporated maybe a little bit more food halfway through. I mean, it was my first time running this distance. So I was kind of just like sticking with what I thought was safest for my gut because that's uh, every ultra runner's like worst enemy is our guts and like being able to eat and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I played it safe this time around, but I'll definitely experiment a little more because I, I do plan on racing it again next year. Great. Well, I'm sure they're going to want you back <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the nutrition piece is, it's so vital. Um, you know, I concentrate more on marathons myself and a lot of my listeners do. And, you know, you can, you can make it through a half, you can make it through a 20K, you can even make it through long runs where you're not getting to full marathon distance. But anytime you start getting out there where you're over a certain number of hours, or in your case, it doesn't even have to be as many miles. It's just, there's so much vertical, it's going to take so much longer anyway. Even if you are bombing down those downhills, you're only going to make up so much time. You're still going to be like basically power hiking these crazy vertical ascents that, you know, a goat would have trouble doing, right? Um, so the fueling piece is just one you're going to continue to work on and you're going to keep uh, practicing it. And that's the best place, you know, use it as a lab, you know, talk to the other athletes that have done it before. And I'm sure as you go from saying 35, let's say to 50 mile distance, and you know, they're, they're all a lot of kilometer based distance races over there <laughs> versus miles. It's actually not a lot. All of them are going to basically be <laughs> kilometers because uh, we're out of the U.S. And like you said, you're in multiple countries. And I think that's like the coolest piece. So do you have a nutritionist do you, that you work with or maybe even access to somebody through like Hoka? Because, you know, like there's so many of their athletes. I know like Magda work, 
works for GU and, you know, she's been a great ultra runner, but I mean, every, there's just so many ways. And you said you're working with spring energy and they're a great sponsor and work with so many ultra runners and have great, great products. I personally don't use them, but I hear so many good things from the ultra runners that I've had on the show. Yeah. So I am very blessed in that my uh, coach, actually his full-time job is he works in the nutrition industry, uh, sourcing ingredients for like top-notch health companies. Um, So he helps me with a lot of stuff. Um, And then my sister has a couple of certifications and, you know, licenses and stuff. So uh, keep it in the house, I guess, at this point, uh, which is pretty nice. (laughs) That's epic. Yeah. And, you know, look, that is such an important piece of this puzzle. And, you know, maybe as much or more so than your actual training that your coach is writing you out. Uh, How many miles a week are you doing? I know you've uh, put an emphasis on doing more doubles and adding more vert, you know, just reading on, you know, some of the things that you thought helped you continue to grow and have this kind of great result. Um, But the coach relationship, you know, I know it's a strong one for you. You guys have a good connection and you feel like it's really had an impact. So that's a huge bonus that he can also help you in that area as well. Um, So talk about that a little bit, you know, your, your coaching relationship, how you guys started working together and you know, how, how it's been going so far. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I did the whole division one track and field cross country thing and uh, you know, unfortunately I fell into that bucket that got pretty burnt out on running. And so I took a year off. So uh, after college, and then <clears throat> I started running again and I did like a couple of trail races and it was like, it was going pretty well, you know, where in the moment I was like, oh yeah, like I, I really like this. This is really fun, but I also happen to be winning a lot of these races, which is cool. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I just thought that magic would keep going, despite the fact that I was running only like two days, maybe three days a week. Um, And slowly that magic started to fade away. (laughs) And I realized that basically what I think happened is like, I had so much fitness from college that it kind of just carried over, you know, as I was able to kind of just run a couple times a week, um, because I did a lot of mileage in college. Um, So once that magic started to fade away, I started to actually question myself, like if I wanted to, you know, invest more time in training, if this was something like I wanted to actually like pursue, et cetera. And so I asked, you know, a couple people in the town I was living in at the time, which was Santa Barbara, California. And he came across cause the best marathoner in our town, uh, he's a remarkable story. He went from like 242 to 216 or something like that, which is crazy. And so I was like, this guy seems to know what he's doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I I met with him and, you know, from that first moment, it was just like, wow, I feel like this person is supposed to be in my life. I just, he believed in me so much and that was our first time ever talking. And I felt like that was something that was really lacking from my college relationship with my coach is I just felt like I wasn't like a person didn't believe in me in a way besides myself. Um, So, yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting moment. I felt very lost at that time in my life. And he just became like this beacon of light for me in, in all the best ways possible. And uh, yeah, we've been working together now for close to five years, which is pretty cool. Awesome. And that's Terry Howell, right? Yeah, Terry Howell. Good. At least I got one thing right. 
kidding. <laughs> the memory, the memory slips away on you when you get to be 61. But yeah, no, I know you wrote some really nice um, things in some of your posts just on people who've had an impact for you and really helped you. And um, it sounds like, you know, that's a really strong relationship. And, you know, that self-belief thread is just something we talk about a lot in the show. And it doesn't have to be a running coach. You know, it could be a mentor from college, you know, somebody who really liked your writing and encouraged you to write. And maybe you write a book and, you know, it's helped you to solidify your own belief about yourself, you know, your self-belief and your confidence. And um, it just does wonders. And uh, for somebody who just kind of gets you and understands what makes you tick as a runner, that's invaluable stuff. Um, so good stuff. And uh, the fact that you got five years together, you know, you're on a good path. And, you know, if he can take a 242 marathon through 216, yeah. man, I might hire him too, man. I'd be, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, man, he's probably doesn't have any more openings, but that's, impre <laughs> that's really impressive stuff. Um, and it's cool because, you know, working with a marathoner obviously couldn't be more different than you, you know, setting you up for the kind of success you want to have in the type of racing that you're doing. Because, you know, look, face it, if you can't run the vertical and you can't handle those climbs up and down, it isn't just the, you know, it's not just the up, it's the downs, man. It scares the hell out of me thinking about what you all do <laughs> blasting down those hills. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a huge piece. And, uh, you know, you got your sister involved too, man. You got the whole, whole family here, yeah. you know, helping out, man. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's been really cool. Cause with Terry, it's like, we've been learning together, which has been pretty cool. He, um, is very humble and he, um, he does a lot of research, which I appreciate. Like he, you know, there's sometimes there's coaches that kind of just like, no, my way is the right way. I don't need any more new information. It worked on this one athlete 10 years ago. So it has to work for every athlete. <laughs> Whereas Terry is very adaptive. Um, and so with the trail and mountain stuff, I was his first trail runner. Now he has a handful, which is pretty cool. And so we've just been able to like learn what works, what doesn't work. Like downhills, like we didn't, practice downhills when we first started training. And now that's a regular part of my training is like, you know, run a downhill hard and then do repeats after or something like that, you know? Um, so it's been cool to like figure that out together. That's terrific. Um, you know, there's a saying in boxing, it's like styles make fights. Um, and you know, I wasn't a boxer. I've never been in a ring, but my, my mantra in life is stay in the fight. You know, it's right behind me, my podcast sign. And it's my mantra that I use in my own races, you know, and it's not, we don't always use one mantra. You might have go into a race and have three or four things in your head or, or phrases that you might say to keep yourself focused or positive, or just to help you relax, you know, when you hit a tough spot. But, uh, it's just, it's just great that, you know, even though he didn't have that experience, you needed somebody who was going to make you feel that they were going to do that work and do that research. So that's where that style piece comes together. Somebody who just was pointing to stuff that happened 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> somebody else might buy that a hundred percent, Danny. They might be like, no problem. Danny said this worked 10 years ago. I'm doing it. I would be like, absolutely not. This is going to fucking yeah. work for me. What are you talking about? You don't work with ultra runners. What do you mean? Like, you know, do some, do some homework. So, um, you know, depending on who we are and how we align, um, you know, we build, we start like at block one, if you will, but you know, you've been working together for five years and then you, you develop more confidence together on both sides, right? So he's going to, you know, continue to evolve your training. Um, you know, how much input, let's say, do you have? I mean, do you go back to Terry and say, hey, man, I think I can handle like a lot more right now, or I'm kind of out over my skis a little bit on mileage or taking on more doubles, more vert? Like how much do you, uh, how much of your voice comes through? Like when you're talking about your own schedule and your training and how you're tackling, tackling races? 
Yeah, I would say um, he's very gracious with, you know, me being able to provide like input, I would say, rather than like feedback, because I completely trust what he's doing, but I also have a full-time job. And so, you know, depending on my workload in the week, um, sometimes things will need to be adjusted if I'm, you know, feeling a little tired from, you know, working all day, etc. But yeah, I would say for the most part, like, where I kind of come in is like, whatever race I'm deciding to do, I'll collect all the resources for it, you know, like the course where the aid stations are and stuff like that. And then we'll look at it together and be like, okay, cool. Like there's this for here, this for here, this for here. And then I'll go and kind of like build out some maps in my area that I think can kind of replicate it. And then I help him with that. And then he plugs in like all the numbers and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. So I would say it's definitely, you know, a kind of like a partnership, but in the end, I would say 99% of my phone calls are always like, but what do you think I should actually do? <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Um, and I, yeah, I, I never, his big thing with me is like, just because you should doesn't mean we can like, or just because you can doesn't mean we should. Um, and I tend to be overly aggressive and my eyes are bigger than my legs uh, <laughs> as far as what I want to do. And so he's really good at reeling me back in. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now that is a partnership right there. Um, and that's what you need. Um, you need someone who is looking out for you when you're going to get a little too far over your skis or, or if somebody thinks you're, you're not pushing it quite enough. Um, I think that's, that's really the fine line that we're all as athletes or even in our lives, our business lives, our marriage, whatever it might be, you know, we want to approach the edge, you know, we want to see like, what is our real potential in life for in anything that we're doing? And the only way we're ever going to find out what that potential is, is to really explore those edges, man. It's in your case, edges could get people eliminated, man. We were yeah. <laughs> kidding around talking about it for like the reason you're not going to see me running into those UTMB races, man, is I can't read about somebody going off a cliff and, you know, you just, I don't want to joke about something that's so serious, but you know, sometimes you just have to, because look, man, there's worse. Way- I mean, if I was going to go, man, let it be on a run, let it be in a race somewhere, let it be somewhere where I'm doing something that I absolutely love with all my heart and soul. And that's a great way, you know, to go if you really think about it, but, um, you're not going to catch me up there on that single track yeah. on top <laughs> of the Alps, you know, doing those, doing those crazy downhills. But, um, for people at home that have never like seen a race like this, um, our trail races in the U.S. are are obviously very different, and you know Western states would be like our Super Bowl of ultra. It's our biggest race where the brands are out in force, and the top runners are coming in from around the world to race on our soil, and you know run through just magnificent country, uh, you know with crazy temperature changes and you know vertical changes and all of that kind of stuff. But I think what makes the UTM races different is it feels to me like it's the Tour de France for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's just like there's just people people out there yelling and screaming and, you know, as you come into these towns and the, all the races finish at that same spot, right? Which is just like this amazing like finish line, which like when you see somebody coming around that corner and all those people are there and they're blowing the horns, it feels somewhere between a World Cup soccer game or like the Tour de France. I mean, what, what the heck was that like for you, you know, coming around that corner, you know, for your first time at that finish? It had to be crazy. Yeah, it was... uh is everything that you said and more, you know, because it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just like celebration of the the human spirit and body and mind and everything. And, um, yeah, I, I was kind of laughing because there's like a lot of video of me coming in and doing things with my hands. It's just one of those things you don't know what you're going to do, um, until you're there. 
And so I was just like, I don't even remember doing that. Like I like threw my hands in the air and was like pumping the air. And it was just, it's a, uh, such a, yeah, it was, it was an inhalation of, of an, of an experience for sure. Incredible. Um, and you know, basically I was studying, you know, some of your race reports and you, you were talking about like the race and how it kind of unfolded and how it played out. And, you know, I was amazed to read, you know, you know, how far back you were, you know, like, I think you were in like 20th place at like some major kind of section of the course. And then you just kind of walk through, you know, how much ground you made up from those places. But to be, you know, it takes a lot to a lot of faith in your own ability. And, you know, I don't know, did you and your coach like Terry talk about that as a race plan before you went out that, you know, like to be really patient and to wait? Because I know like that's where as I was reading your post, I was like, wow, I really want to have her on because she was in 20th place and made her way all the way back to third place and just kept chipping away. So like, what was that part of your race plan? Like that to be really conservative and like, how did talk, talk us through that post, the way you wrote it out, where you were in position and like, take us through the course and the different stages there. Cause it was like compelling stuff when I was reading it. Thanks. Um, yeah, prior to the race, me and Terry probably talked about it for multiple days, you know, how, how we were going to approach this thing. It was, you know, the furthest I was ever going to run in my life, um, both time and distance. And so we knew there was going to be, you know, very new ter territory within like those last few miles. Um, but we just looked at the profile and again, it's just, we've had this five-year partnership where we really have just learned and grown together about like trail and mountain running, not just for me, but like for everyone. Um, and so looking at the profile, you know, thinking about the body damage that was going to be done, like with the downhills and the grade percentages is like something I've been really getting into and kind of knowing the terrain, we like picked the point on the map where it's like, we need to be within X position at this point if we want to be in podium contention. Um, so as long as we make our move here and like with intention and confidence, then podium is definitely doable, which that was always the goal. Like even when we were in training, um, and so <laughs> it's, it's one thing to, you know, have the plan, but then to actually be on the start line and to trust that plan, it was surprisingly really easy because again, like just through the years and growth as an athlete, like I have seen our plan and have felt and experienced our plan work so many times. It was like, how is this going to be any different? Um, and really like in the end, the plan was to build confidence throughout the race. Cause I, I race more ferociously and more fierce when I'm, I'm building confidence throughout a race. And that's just been my experience. Um, so yeah, we kind of just like sat back, which was a little hard to like watch the field go away for maybe like two seconds. And then I just had, you know, trust in my gut and with these longer races, it's not quite like road races where it's like, you really only have so much energy for X amount of hours. So in this instance, six hours. And so to really just manage that resource, uh, effectively. So, yeah. So, um, started in 20th, slowly made my way into like the 15th to like 11th range was kind of going back and forth with girls, but like the whole time I knew where my move was going to be made. So I think with the other girls, it was kind of maybe it was a little bit more in their mind that I kept like passing them, but it was like, for me, the energy was always the same. It was more them working. Um, and then yeah, mile 14, which again, I don't think I've ever made a big move at 
mile 14 with 20 more miles to go. <laughs> um, but I just started pushing for about like 90 minutes and just found like a really good pocket of pace. And for people that aren't in ultra and trail or have an experience, it's like, it's more about like your foot cadence than anything. Cause it's hard to pick a pace. Cause you know, some paces up 25%, some paces on negative 8% or something like that. So it's really about like your cadence feeling like really consistent through the up and the down. Um, so yeah, then I moved into fifth and then I just started hunting down the podium the last, I think like 15 K maybe. So last tw- tw- 10 miles about. My God, that's awesome. Uh, I get chill. I get chills hearing it. And I love, I loved reading about it. So how do you know, like, are you coming through like an aid station and like, that's how, you know, like somebody in your team is like radioed ahead or texted ahead or something or, or is it even on your phone? I don't even know. Like, how do you know, how do you know what spot you've moved up to for the people like us who weren't over there running UTMB and, 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 uh, in the mountains? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a spectacle over there and people just love the race. And so, you know, I had uh, my fiance and a couple friends giving me spots, but you know, every hundredth person, if you just ask them, they usually know, which is so cool. It's like, you know, going to a soccer stadium being like, who scored the last goal? But during these races, you're like, Hey, what place am I in? And they're like, Oh, I think you're like seventh or seventh or ninth, something in there. And it's like, okay, cool. So you like kind of have an idea. And usually if you ask like, Oh, what time is a, or first, like usually they'll know, which is, it's pretty cool. It just feels like this community uh, involvement, which is awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just so beautiful um, because they're not just out there like hanging out. They're actually yeah. like involved, man. They're like, yeah. <laughs> in, they're in it, man. And you feed off that. I mean, I'm feeding off and just listening to you tell me about it. I'd be like, man, if somebody's telling me, man, hey, you moved up, you know, it's just, it's great. And, you know, the strategy is so sound. Um, but where we all get caught up in life is ego. When ego gets in the way is where we make our biggest mistakes and we overestimate and, you know, you have to let go. And that's not an easy thing to do to let those, let the other, uh, ladies run away in the beginning and say, okay, I'm fine right where I am. I'm, this is not where I'm supposed to start getting after it or really increase cadence, tempo, effort, whatever it might be. So, um, to come, you know, from that far back and keep chipping away, like it's gotta be building for you too. Right. I mean, so even if you are tired and you're starting to feel wiped out, you're still going by people. So as you're getting closer and closer, so you're down to fifth, like at what point did you actually get into third? Like how close were you to the finish when that actually happened? Yeah. Um, well, it was kind of funny just to backtrack a little bit, just going back to the people talking, it kind of just hit me at what, before I made like my move, uh, there's, I have a friend who's French and I was like, Hey, like what, what plate, how far is the house far is the podium? And he, I, I'm telling myself he was saying it sarcastically, but he was like too far and then like kind of joking, but like, I know his personality. So I was like, he's also kind of being serious. Like you are so out of the race. Like, don't even think about the podium at this point. Um, and then I passed my fiance a couple steps later and I asked him how far is the podium? He's like, like 15 minutes. Um, but going back to the trust and the plan, like I, it still didn't phase me, which was really cool. I was just like, 15 minutes? All right, we got this, you know, which I think most runners would have been like 15 minutes. That is quite a bit of time to make up. Um, so anyways, going back to your question, recent question. Um, so I moved into podium going up into the last climb. So like six miles from the finish. Um, and that was pretty, 
pretty surreal moment for me because I actually passed an American woman who had been leading most of the race. Um, And so it was kind of bittersweet because like here I am realizing that I am now the American woman on the podium and um, that I'm going to be on the potentially going to be on the podium for OCC, which was the goal. So obviously like realizing your goal is happening and you're trying to stay hyper-focused. But at the same time, I was like, I I love my country and I love when we get to represent on these big stages. I was like, darn it, we were going to have two on the podium maybe. Um, So having these mix of emotions, but then I'm like, all right, we're on the podium. Let's keep going. Um, And yeah, I felt like uh, that's where my nutrition plan was like 80, eh, 85% successful because I started getting really fuzzy with like my, my vision. Um, But knowing that I was now in my goal, area of podium I just like kept pushing um and I knew other girls were coming up behind me and then uh we had the last downhill so I just kind of like held on even though things were getting weird <laughs> oh god not a place to be getting blurry vision you know bla- yeah. blasting on <laughs> that's on- when I ate the cake <laughs> <laughs> good call oh my god Danny such a good call it's my birthday give me some yeah. cake give me some sugar give me something sweet man I need I need some calories or a coca-cola or something oh man yeah. I guarantee you man when you cross that line you were you were a happy camper man it, it had to be uh pretty epic so your fiance was there um did you have any other family members there or just uh, you know other obviously you know tons of runners that were there and whatnot so just the two of you were over there together or anybody else was over there uh supporting yeah i had a friend who was also running utmb so him and his girlfriend were there and then there was actually a couple girls uh that i knew from santa barbara that were there as well which was pretty cool so i got multiple intel well intel three times at least throughout the race which was really nice love it and what was your what was your shoe choice for the race? Um, they were actually prototypes, which was pretty fun. Um, so the Hoka, I can't say what they are quite yet. No problem. Um, but they uh, were were great. Uh, the only downside is I'm a seven and a half, and all the prototypes are eights, so they're actually quite big on me. Um, so that's just another fun fact. As I did this race in shoes that were too big for me, but they worked out, <laughs> which was awesome. Oh my God, that's great. Um, well, I guess it's probably, oh, I would think, I mean, I just know more marathoning and, you know, certainly I've done ultras, but I haven't done like mountain ultras. I would think, oh my God, the worst possible thing would be for the shoes to be too tight. Good Lord, your feet can get destroyed and swell and all this other stuff anyway. Um, even if it isn't hot temperature wise, just from, you know, just the beating, you know, that your toes and your feet take getting smashed around. So I guess the best of both worlds would be larger socks of some sort or more cushioned socks yeah. to try to help. <laughs> it snug the fit a little bit oh my god that's great uh oh wow epic man i'm glad i asked you that question because i thought it was just gonna be just like oh yeah i just use these hokas or whatever oh yeah prototype <laughs> all right we'll keep our eye out you know i love the fact that the shoe wars are continuing and new stuff is just coming and everybody's just throwing everything they got at it to come up with the next best fastest shoe and the ones with the most support and the most cushion and the best carbon and all of it, man, because it's, uh, it makes a difference, man. It helps us for sure. Yeah. It's been really cool seeing like the different Instagram accounts that follow that are really into the shoes because like post UTMB, they posted all of the podiums for, you know, again, the four marquee events, TDS, OCC, CCC, and UTMB. And there was at least one 
prototype in on all of the podiums. And just seeing that, like, you know, there's really been a big investment by all these companies in the trail space because I think they recognize like this sport isn't going away. It's only growing. And especially as the um, you know, like the media and the live stream gets better, I think it's just gonna gain more and more fans. Oh, I think it's definitely a it's on a huge upswing for sure. Um, and look, who wouldn't want to race with the mountain background like you have behind you? (laughs) Who wouldn't want to run in the Alps and in different, you know, and be in Italy and Germany and Switzerland or France or wherever? I mean, it's, it's spectacular. Um, and you know, it's, it's exciting. And as you said, you know, coming on, you know, Dylan's been doing live stream at Western States the last couple of years, and he did do it again this year with the UTMB race, the longer race. Um, and you know, it was different because he was home in his basement doing it versus being at Western States, um, with him and Corinne doing it together. And I think they've been amazing. I know Billy Yang's been very involved, you know, from the production side, they kind of teamed up doing the Western States one. I don't know if Billy had anything to do with the UTMB one. Cause I know he was over there himself with his girlfriend running and doing stuff. And, you know, I'm sure filming and making new amazing YouTube videos for all of us to watch, which is uh, super, super exciting. So after this, which is a huge breakthrough and, you know, first American podium, I mean, have you started thinking about like longer ultras, like Western States, 100, Hard Rock, other races like that? Or are you just totally content to stay in this mountain range with a lot of vertical and like kind of focus and specialize on that? Yeah, it's it was kind of funny because I, you know, shared a housing space with Tim Tolufson, who is, you know, pretty legendary in the ultra space for American men and uh, or just Americans in general. And uh, we were talking about the weather and, you know, how it was potentially going to be bad for UTMB. And I was like, yeah, I like it really hot, like the hotter, the better. And he's like, well, Danny, you should do Western States. <laughs> Have you heard of that race? <laughs> he's like, that is right up your alley. Um, but yeah, no, I... I'm going to definitely do a longer distance next year, but it's going to be um, like I plan to do OCC next year and then I'll have like a debut potentially in like an 80 or 100K. Um, but I definitely, it, it, but the first part of the year, will, I'll be short again. So long story long, like I definitely still plan on <laughs> focusing on that 45 to 50K range for at least for the next year to two years. And then I'll like make a bigger bump. Um, honestly, like, Ron, I just have taken such a page out of the books of, I really respect like Sarah Hogg here, Diamato and stuff like that. And to me, it's like our best women distant runners on the road are still like in their older thirties and in the ultra world, like there's such a push for people to like go longer as soon as possible. And, um, I just think you could still develop like a lot of speed. Um, so I'm just like, kind of trying to apply that as best to my ability for myself in this space. And also just because when you race shorter, you could race a lot more often, which I love racing. I love it. Thank you for giving such a great uh, explanation on that. And, you know, there is this this push and rush. And, you know, you can go all the way back to regular road running, you know, from 5K and 10K and running track and cross country in college. And when are they going to do their marathon debut? When is this going to happen? And it is, it, it's, there's an enormous focus on it. And I certainly don't help with having run 65 marathons myself. So I'm, <laughs> I'm an enabler for sure. And, you know, I ran all six avid majors in one year and I just, I just love the spirit and the adventure and the camaraderie of racing and being around other athletes and meeting these people and encouraging people that maybe have never qualified for a Boston, like, come on, you can do it, Danny, you know, let's get this done. Here's what you need to do to accomplish this goal. But I love that you're being patient and you're going to 
focus on the speed. And what a great example, Kira, man, we were talking about her and Emily Sisson before he <laughs> came on. It's like 95% humidity and they both destroyed the course record in a 20K on a hilly course on a day that was just crazy conditions. I mean, I mean, good Lord, I can't wait to see what uh, Kira runs in Berlin. I'm running Berlin also. And I want to see what Emily runs in Chicago. They're both obviously in supremely fit condition. And Kira just gets thrown into world champs and just like rocks it. <laughs> I, I mean, she's not even prepping to run a marathon and just like rolls into it and just like amazing, amazing results. So I think it's really sound strategy. And yes, it is fun. You get to race more. I mean, why, why wouldn't that be a good thing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm sure like Hoka and Rabbit, like they're not going to, there's no interest for them to like try to get you to go longer. There's, you know, if you want to race more mountain stuff that's shorter, but more technical and more challenging versus that, I mean, they're sponsoring all those races anyway. So, you know, it's all good. They need athletes from all ends of the spectrum. It really helps them for their own portfolio. You know, having athletes that are doing some of these, um, uh, longer, really, really longer races. You know, um, my gosh, I had, uh, Annie, Annie on, um, who's won 200 and 250 mile races, man. And she's That's just, amazing. yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> and I'm just like, do you ever sleep? And she's like, yeah, I sleep for like five minutes sometimes during these races. And I'm like, what, how can you possibly run for like three days straight or, you know, two plus days straight and, and barely sleep. But, you know, I guess it just shows you what we're capable of if we, you know, the way you adjusted your training and your race plan for this race, you know, each time you step up and go to another distance, your nutrition plan changes, your training plan changes, how much vertical you're doing, how many miles you're doing, it all changes. And, you know, with this way, you really probably won't have to make too many changes, right? To kind of what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and I like am sincerely interested in the longer stuff, um, just trying to uh, it's, I found it actually easier within the last couple of years to be a little bit more patient before I, I bump up. Um, but yeah, I, I just have like this bucket list item, which is so weird, I guess. I just like, can't wait to actually like eat real meals during a race. I just think that's so cool. <laughs> and you really only get to do that with like longer stuff. So when I see like Killian, like eating potatoes, I'm like, well, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And they are. I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> you see, and then you, you hit the nail on the head, UTMB this year, you saw them and they had the, the guy speaking French and the other guy was speaking Italian and the other one speaking English. And, you know, they would come in and, you know, it was just like the one main crew person would be there with Killian or, or with Jim. And you could just see they were basically kind of more or less having the same thing, you know, potatoes or rice or something along those lines. And I think the first five or six runners that came through were all virtually having the same thing at that point in the race. And I can't remember exactly what point they were in, but they were deep in the the race at that point they were easily 60 miles in or you know 55 60 miles in maybe even 70 miles in so yeah i mean get some food down <laughs> i know courtney was always all about the potatoes man Court courtney dewalter is always like doing the, the mashed potatoes and stuff and then some runners are eating pizza so i guess it's just yeah. <laughs> like whatever the hell your stomach can possibly tolerate um in your case you found out you can have cake at the end of a race so you know yeah, <laughs> yeah throw that into the rotation right i'm i'm down for cake man i'm i'm sir i'm certainly down for that <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely tasty. Probably some of the best cake I've had in a while <laughs> due to the circumstances. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's what makes ultras. It's another super cool thing of ultras, period. It doesn't have to be over in France or in the Alps or, you know, in Mont Blanc, which is spectacular. But 
and you go come run the JFK 50. I mean, the ultra stations are amazing. I mean, you know, down from somebody making baked potatoes or bacon on a skillet to, you know, smoothies or like uh, ices or, I mean, you know, they got gummy bears. I mean, you name it. There's literally anything and everything you would want when you roll through those stations. So it's like, you know, I want to hang out a little bit and chat with people and like <laughs> survey what's there. I'm not, I'm not going to be going for the W or try to make the podium. So it's like, let me hang out and talk to these people for a little bit and sample what's going on here. So uh, definitely interesting and fun for sure. <laughs> so let's um, let's pick one other race. I mean, that's obviously like huge, huge one. Do you have one other race, like one other like super meaningful moment, something that shaped your running to this point, something you're like super proud of and like something from that experience? Yeah. So um, last year and also this year, I, uh, last year I partook in the um, Golden Trail World Series, which has kind of like become the premier sub ultra series in the world. Um, so they have six races throughout the year and you have to at least do three and then they take your points from that and then you do the final. So last year, the final was one race, whereas this year it's a five day stage race, which I plan on doing. Um, so, yeah. So last year, um you know, I came into the final, I think, ranked like ninth or 10th. And then uh, the final, which is this race that was memorable for me, I ended up placing fifth, but it was more so who I beat. So I ended up being fifth overall. And then um, sim kind of similar in the same vein as OCC, I was the only American there, like male or female who had made the final. Um, so that was really cool. And to be able to jump up, you know, and then in for that race, like top five was podium. So I made the podium, which was cool. And then for the series, I made the podium. Um, so, yeah, it was just like this crazy race on this island called El Hierro in the Canary Islands. And we literally started from one side of the island. You go straight up. What is uh, I think we gained like 4,000 feet in three miles or so. And then we ran to the other side of the island, steep drop. And then you ran back to another side of the island. So another like very, very steep ascent, uh, again, gaining thousands of feet in the relative miles. Um, and then there's this final descent into this town. And, you know, the island's quite small. So all the island uh, people who lived there were, you know, watching this race, which was pretty cool. So it gave a really cool feel. Um, but yeah, that race was just very important in that, um, like the ment the mental charge that it required to like work my way through the field again, uh, really solidified like sticking to the plan. Cause that race similarly, like we had a plan going in, uh, and I stuck to it and I was able to, you know, come out on top from a lot of people. So, yeah, it was just like, it was very rewarding. And my family was also there on this little island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and it was extremely hot. <laughs> so uh, it just, yeah, it was, it was extremely tough for that reason. Um, yeah, so I, I would say that race for sure, because that race gave me a lot of confidence going into this year, knowing that I was going to be running OCC. Um, and just, you know, that formulation of a plan and sticking to uh, really being well equipped for whatever um, the conditions might be. So now we know you, why you like to ask for the hot weather. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? So <laughs> yeah. You're, ba you're battle tested in the heat. So um, I have a question that I ask every guest who comes on drive, energy, spirit, competitiveness. Where does it come from? Because, you know, to be behind and be able to be patient and let people go, but still have that vision and dream. Like I'm going for the podium and I want that podium. Like it takes a lot of fire, man. It takes a lot of spirit. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, drive, you know, to 
battle back in situations and circumstances like that. Where do you think yours comes from? That is a really tough question. <laughs> um, I don't know. My parents say I just kind of like came out this way, I guess. And I think like part of it is I was, you know, I was a middle child. So there was like that dynamic. And also I was quite small for a long time. You know, like in my class, I was always like one of the smallest until like about high school. So I felt like, you know, I'm sure there was some chip on my shoulder that it's like, oh, I'm smaller. I have to work harder in order to like have the same output. Because even when I was younger, like I've always loved running and I loved like endurance running and kind of pushing myself. Um so, yeah, it, I don't know if I have have quite the answer. I would say at this point, it's just like um, an obsession with progression. Like, I don't like feeling like I'm not trying to improve on on myself. Like, I, I really have trouble with being complacent and just like, okay with things. Because um, I, I always see that there's way to be better. Like, there's a way to be better. And so why not try to be better? Um yeah, I hope that kind of answers. That's just a really hard question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's there isn't there isn't a right answer to it, Danny, for sure. Um, I'm team middle child, so you know we we got that going yeah. for us. <laughs> we're, we're team middle child all the way, but you know sometimes we just have that competitive spirit in us, and it, it doesn't come from watching our mom or dad or a, a coach or anything else. It just it's just born. It's genetic, and you know we just keep wanting to get better. We want to improve, and um, we want to continue to be the best version of ourself, if you will. So it doesn't, there's no right or wrong answer to it. Um, the fact that you want to evolve and get better is awesome. Um, and, you know, figuring out what do you, what do you need in your toolkit to help you get there? That's, that's what it's all about between, uh, you and Terry, like trying to figure that out together, um, uh, between nutrition and training and style, um, and, and being patient, I think is all really important things. Uh, so many of us just want to get to that point right away. And it's just this natural thing we want to get right to. We don't, that's not how life works. It doesn't work that way in any facet of our lives. It never does. We don't just walk onto the college and all of a sudden we're the best on the team. You know, we don't win valedictorian. We don't, you know, go straight to the head of the class. I mean, we have to earn our stripes in every aspect of our lives. So the patience and the discipline and wanting to get better, those things are going to serve you well for sure as you as you continue to evolve. Thanks. I, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I would say I've definitely made a lot of mistakes, though, that have, you know, allowed me, that have taught me to, that have humbled me in a way that now I understand why patience is uh, vital, really. How else do we learn? Um, when you think about it, when you're a kid and you crash your bike and you fall down, you don't say, gee, I'm never going to ride my bike again. Or if you know you fall down when you're running, you go, gee, I, I guess I don't know how to run right. My form is bad. I'm going to give up running. Like, like we keep getting back up, man. We pick ourselves up, you know, we throw a couple of band-aids on, you know, we, we figure out, you know, maybe I dive bomb this trail route a little different the next time, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe I won't go head first, you know, <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I should try this like a different way, but um, whatever you, whatever you're incorporating, it's working and, you know, don't be afraid of mistakes, man. It's, it's how we learn. It's, uh, it's going to keep giving you great feedback, uh, you know, on your, as you continue to evolve and, and try to improve and, and become better and better at it. So, um, what would you say the darkest hole you've dug out of and how? Um, I would definitely say like my freshman year of college and probably like going into my sophomore year. Um, 
I just like, I've just felt very lost, uh, you know, going into school as a lot of people do. Um, and, you know, I, you know, uh, admittedly, like tried to take a shortcut with my running, you know, trying to become lighter and it obviously didn't work as it shouldn't have worked. Um, and so it's just kind of the struggle where other people's expectations of me were really getting to me instead of me kind of being true to myself and what I thought were the necessary steps to get there. Um, so it's kind of just like this internal struggle where I was also just feeling like I was in a dark space of, you know, what what is my North Star and like, how do I calibrate it so that North Star makes sense to me in, in my own journey? Um, so it definitely took like my first couple of years of college and it really was just, you know, kind of in a way, like <laughs> I'd left home and I was trying to become like this new person, but then in a way I just recalibrated to no, you're not the, you're not a new person. You're just a person in a new space. Um, so just having a lot of connection with my parents and really, uh, re-identifying my why, like, why did I choose this goal? Why am I still running? Why, why am I doing X, Y, Z, et cetera? Um, that really helped me. That's great advice for anybody listening. Um, whether you're a 5K runner, a marathon runner, ultra runner, it doesn't matter. Um, you have to understand why in every aspect of your life, not just running. You know, why are you, you know, working at your law firm? Why are you working at your architectural firm? Why are you in a marriage? Like, if you don't understand what you're in it for and, you know, that it's a partnership and how do you contribute and do more than your half for whomever you're involved with, whether it's your colleagues or your wife, your husband, um, or running, you know, just the sport, you know, being true to it um, and being pure and just realizing like, hey, man, I love this. This is a gift. And it's only when you struggle, it's only when you've hit a real serious injury and you have that gift taken away from you. And you don't have to be 61 like me. You can be 21 at college and have it taken away from you and realize like, wow, I really do need running. Like I need it in my life and it's really important to me and I am a better person when I can versus when I can't. Um, so you learned a lot at an early age um, and, you know, keep applying those lessons because uh, you'll just continue to grow and get better. Um, and it's it's a good lesson for us all, for us all to learn. Um, and I always ask every guest about community service because I think it's just so damn important. And we all need to be thinking more about others in this world we live in because, you know, things are pretty shitty at times, you know, and one of the best ways in the world to not feel like it's shitty and it's more positive is to just help another human being in any way you possibly can. So what's something important to you um, that you're involved with or maybe are thinking about getting involved with where you think you can have an impact? Yeah, I, uh, for me, community has always been extremely important, uh, just like the community where I grew up in, which was Downey, Downey California. Um, that, like, when I really started running, my high school coach was just, when like my coach today, he was just so pivotal for me in that time in my life and really just like a great high school coach in the lessons and the way that he was going about coaching. Um, and so... To me, he's a big reason why, you know, I just fell in love with running even more besides like my own parents, which was really cool. And then aside from that, like my community there, we just, I felt like I had multiple moms and dads and mo mothers, uh, um, brothers and sisters, which was really cool. I could, 
you know, walk or run to my friend's house. And anyways, it was just a great community. So I have tried to, as much as I can, like go back and give talks to the high school and um, the track club that is there. But this year, something that was really important to me is I did a collaboration with Rabbit, which is my apparel sponsor. And so we did like a Danny pro kit. And so, um, you know, as assumed with many things that have your name on it, you know, there's a kickback percentage. And to me, like from day one, it was just really important that, you know, I, I don't get that, but that the community that is a big reason of why I am where I am today, like gets that in some form. And so, you know, being able to collaborate with Rabbit, we decided that um, it is not like a very wealthy community. And so for me growing up, like, running clothes were really important. Like they made me feel special. It was kind of like a superhero suit. I'm sure as a lot of kids feel with their sport. And so rabbit for every kit that I sold, they're going to donate um, a really nice pair of running shorts to the track club. And so that was really cool. Um, and so the whole track club and some where it got outfitted, you know, with these really nice shorts, uh, which was really just, just so important to me um, to, to try and give back in whatever way I could. That is an absolutely beautiful story. And thank you for sharing it. Um, and Rabbit's a wonderful brand. Um, but that coming to fruition is, again, this partnership at, it, at its purest form, um, knowing that your community has needs and you want to give back to a community that you came from that has needs. And you know, here you are helping with this brand who's instrumental in your own running personally. And you know they're helping to outfit runners and and hopefully some of them are going to emulate and say hey man i want to be like danny i want to be a trail runner i don't want to be a marathoner i want to i want to run in the mountains i want to run in, in mont blanc or i want to do this type of thing so uh good on you man that's that's beautiful stuff and you know rabbit is a terrific brand and i have a lot of athletes on that are sponsored by them and they're doing doing good things so wonderful thank you for sharing that um we covered a lot of ground, some really awesome stuff, super inspiring um, what you've been doing with your running. And I, I know it's going to move the needle with a lot of folks, but is there any like parting message you want to share for the Run Chats audience? Anything you want to leave with them as we as we roll out here? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, find find your tribe, find your group, find your family, you know, whatever shape or form it comes in. Uh, for me, I found that, you know, my best years of running have come from when I feel supported, you know, in, in this crazy thing that we do going out and running in the morning and evenings or, you know, gone for hours at a time and just feeling like that's okay. Like that's your thing. Like go friend, go. Uh, I just think is so important. Um, and just to have your cup filled and in other ways, like I'm sure running fills all of our cups. Um, but to also have those other relationships, I think it's just really vital to, to continuing to progress. Beautiful message. Great place to land it. Well, Danny, it's been so fun getting to know you and chatting and uh, seeing you on the Zoom screen. And I wish you all the best, man. It's going to be fun following your running journey. You're just getting started. And I know there's going to be a lot more exciting stuff to come. So uh, we're just going to tell everybody where's the best place to follow you on Instagram. It's uh, it's at Dan underscore yell underscore a if I'm correct, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a tricky one for me, but I think we got it right. Um, obviously, we'll tag that in the show notes. And if you have a web page or a blog or a link to any of your stuff, I'll make sure we include that in the show notes as well. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your inspiring story. It's been super fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ron. Uh, really appreciate it. Well, we tell everybody at the end of our episode to keep lacing them up. <laughs>
to keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that was so much fun having Danny on. I just loved hearing about everything that made that week so spectacular at UTMB. All of the signature races, all the runners from the various brands coming together, sharing training tips and nutrition, and just kind of bonding and connecting together and running in this remarkable playground. Just uh, spectacular scenery, so incredibly demanding and challenging, and just all pushing themselves to new limits. Uh, and just so exciting to hear that she was literally in 20th place halfway through the race and just kept her composure, trusted in the plan her and her coach Terry had laid out, and believed that uh, she could battle her way back. And to be like 15 minutes back, still that far late in the race, um, after seeing her fiance and uh, some other friends out there in the course, um, just just amazing job by her. Kudos to her for, as we say, staying in the fight, man, and believing in herself that if she just kept pushing, she could get it done. And first woman to uh, make the podium, first American to make the podium at the OCC race, which is, uh, again, one of the signature races of UTMB World Series. So amazing stuff. Just really inspired listening to her story. And uh, one that uh, is certainly just getting started, and I'm excited to follow along. And I hope you all are moved and inspired by listening to her race strategy and her training plan and how uh, she's built this incredible partnership with her coach and uh, how she works so closely with her brands uh, to partner and give back in her own community to her old race team, which is very underfunded and don't have a lot of money. And... Um, they took all the funds that would normally go to an athlete in that case, which was Danny's, and she made sure that that money went back into buying more kits, more shorts and gear for her old team. So uh, kudos to her on doing that great work within the community. We love to hear stories like that on Run Chat. So anyway, I hope you're all well. And if you have some good takeaways from this episode and you can take a moment and hop on Apple Podcasts, share a nugget or two about what moved you or inspired you. It's wonderful. It brings more listeners to the program, and it certainly helps me get great guests like Danny to come on and tell their inspiring stories and expand our audience into the ultra world and mountain running as well. So anyway, I hope you all are training hard and strong. We got New York City coming up, exciting stuff. I hope you're all building and training and progressing and doing the things you need to do. So keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. <laughs>